it appears, and you invest and you pour into people, you lavish yourself over scripture, you, you, you really invest in that, but there's times where you live in community with the families around you and the church around you as well. This is what the church here at Impact City is striving for, and ultimately, this is where we need to be growing as a church. If you want to be a church, it's going to be around 100 years down the road. Because I can sit here and I can yell at you guys every Sunday, but you're not going to grow. I can sit here and I can preach the gospel to you every Sunday, but it's not going to last too long. Because if you're not producing this out of your life, then you're not reproducing the gospel that's been being fed to you. And so as a missional community, that is the purpose there. Is we meet, we gather, we reproduce what we have learned, and we practice it into the community around us. What did we do this past summer? Where our group, and we opened it up to the whole church as well, we said every Friday night we want to promise that every Friday night we're going to pass out bags of free popcorn, pickles, and candies, and waters to everyone down there at Cole Park on the Friday night movies. We did a fantastic job. We probably passed out, I mean, I'm, I'm not lying, probably 4,000 plus bags of popcorn. And if you're like, man, you're, that's extravagant, you're exaggerating that. You know what? You should have been there because it was that many bags of popcorn, I promise you. We probably passed out, I don't know, how many hundreds of bottles of water. We prayed over people. We got to connect with people. We got people um, talking about the church and, and knowing, you know, what's going on in the community. And it, it was an incredible, incredible time of service back to the city of Corpus Christi. That's what the church needs to be doing. The church needs to be a service to the city. We're not here to be a... Um, kind of a retirement home for Christians to come to and have a country club atmosphere where we come and we get all of our needs met and we go and we're okay with ourselves. No, the church is a dangerous entity in the community that says we will not stand for injustice. We will not stand by and allow things to go wrong. We will step up and we will take the reins and we will control this beast called life in the city. That is what we do as a church. All right, that's it. Let's pray and go home. I'm sorry. That wasn't even on the notes. Guys, welcome back to church. Uh, what a great week it's been. The Olympics are going on. America's killing it. Michael Phelps, man, he is just a, he's like, I think his dad's Poseidon or something. And they're just like, he's Aquaman. They should get him to play Aquaman in the next, uh, you know, the next movie coming up. Football's back in America. Dun, 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 dun. Can, we, can we say amen to that? How did Dak look last night? Them boys just tore it up the first half and then they just lost in the second half. Typical Cowboys. Love them, boys. Love that. Um, okay, it was Friday nights. We did great. This is our last Friday at Bay Jamming. Uh, we had a great time. This last Friday was uh, not as many people, but it was more about uh, just family when it came down to it. And um, we got to pray in a circle down there by the water after and just give praise to God for all the seeds that were planted and, and pray for a bountiful harvest one day that we might not even see the harvest. Like, listen, the lies that we touched, if you were there at Benjamin, you might not even know what you did there. But one day God is going to take that seed of love that you invested in those people and will harvest something great out of it. And it's going to be an incredible moment. And you might not even get to see it. And that's okay because you were just part of it. It, it was just a great time. And we're ending the weekend. Listen, we're ending the weekend tonight, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, saying kind of a goodbye party to one of our great families here um, the Andrews family Wayne and Tammy say hello hi yeah there they are Wayne and Tammy are on mission uh, in Mombasa Kenya they have their tickets already bought the enemy is trying everything in his power to keep them from going but they're going back to Africa uh, in the in September and so we're going to say goodbye to them with a party it's also going to be a, a slash birthday party for their daughter Haven who has a birthday coming up late in September and that way she can see some of her friends and family here at the church and 
other people from around as well. But the other thing that we got going on is we're going to baptize a few people tonight. So, and so if, yes, yep, down by the beach. And so uh, y'all get to still sign the, the trough in the back if you want. And so we can probably sign it before we leave here today. But um, we're going to be baptizing as well, and that's going to be incredible. We love doing baptism. Listen, we are a church that is all about bringing people to know Jesus. And whenever they come and they go full circle and get baptized, it is a moment that says, listen, the world around me, everyone around me, I want you to know that I am legitimately following Jesus. Now, I might screw up. I might mess up. But I'm always going to revert back to Jesus. And the hope of Jesus is now living in me. And I want everyone to know that because I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. The, the whole baptism process is an outward expression of an inward change that has happened in our hearts. And so we have a few people that will probably be getting baptized tonight. Um, if you want to get baptized, please come talk to me after service. I want to be able to kind of articulate that with you and let you make sure that everything is good to go. One, that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And two, that you're willing to understand the, the, what happens when you get baptized. Um, let me put it to you this way. We have had people get baptized and we go live on Facebook with it because we always like to kind of, you know, we, it's live. It's a public declaration, right? And we've literally had guys coming off the streets to get baptized. It's live on Facebook. And then they have, there was a hit out by their gang that next day or later on the day. And now they have a price in their head because they're following Jesus. They're leaving the gang life. And they're going into actually doing something about their faith. Most of us, we get baptized, we're scared people can make fun of us. This guy that I'm talking to you about, he actually had a hit out put on him. I mean, that was insane, you know? And so baptism is just saying, hey, I am real. I am legitimate. I love Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I am perfect in his sight. And that's what we'll be doing tonight. So please, if you guys can, um, the, uh, it's going to be down there on the island, on the beach, from 4 to 7 p.m. by the Holiday Inn on the island. Now, don't go to the one that used to be Holiday Inn on Emerald Beach. That's not, we won't be there. You'll be there by yourself, I promise you. Go to the one on the island. If you, want to, if you need a ride there, just get with someone in the church. I'm pretty sure we can make it work out. All right? All right, get back to the sermon, Pastor. You're going ADD now. Over the past few weeks, we have been looking at a letter from the Apostle Paul written to the church in Philippi entitled Philippians. Now, we learned that for the past two weeks that Paul is in jail. And he's writing from a jail cell locked deep down in the bellows of the ground somewhere. He is locked up, put away, thrown away the key. He is locked up, okay? And through that letter, we find out that he is extremely thankful for everything that is happening, despite the fact that he's in jail. Not only that, but not only is he thankful, he is also joyful. He is joyful the fact that he is experiencing the suffering for the gospel. And we're going to get to know that here in just a little bit. But he's joyful about all the things that are going on. He's excited about the church back in Philippi, which he helped plant just 12 years earlier. He helped plant it, and then it started growing. Now he's in jail, and he's, he's hearing about all the things that are happening, and he's excited about it, and he's, he's joyful and thankful. And we said that through the trials and troubles that Paul is going through, that we can be assured that us, too, can be thankful when we go through trials and tribulations. Because if Paul can be thankful in the midst of a cold, dark jail, that even we can be thankful whenever maybe things don't go our way. Because I tell you what, it is bad in life, and life can get rough. But there's always someone who has it more rough than you. And you can be thankful for the fact that God is still watching over you and taking care of you. We also learned that we're all part of a bigger, greater community of believers known as the church. 
that part of the reason why Paul's focus was uh, of thankfulness was not because he was focusing on his situation, but because he was focusing on the greater need of the world around him and that the fact that there was a church out there that was doing good things and that he was a part of that church even though he was in jail. And one good thing that Sarah told me earlier, she goes, you know, babe, that back in the day, they didn't have, like, meal plans at jail. It wasn't like someone would bring you, like, food every hour and the hour. It wasn't like that. that she said that, that, that back in the day, um, that if you were in jail, the way you got fed is if your church took care of you. If someone from the church was to send someone and say, give this guy a meal every day or whatever just to keep him going. And so he was still part of that church even though he was in jail. Now, thankfulness... And joy are not the only good things that came from Paul's imprisonment. There was something else. Today we're going to see that through the ashes of pain and suffering emerges something that is so powerful, so incredible that it literally changes the world around us. That through the darkest, coldest, most depressing, evil places on earth comes forth a light that chases darkness away when it is shined. I'm talking about the gospel. The fact that Paul is imprisoned not only produces thankfulness and joy and, and just happiness, the fact that the churches doesn't produce a fact, not only it doesn't just do that, it also produces a fact that you're a part of a, a greater need, something bigger and better above yourself. It produces that, but it also produces the gospel in a place where normally it would never be shared. Talking about the gospel talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, the truth that he came to earth as a sinless child and then grew up a sinless life and then he died on the cross for you and for me. The gospel, the fact that when he hung on the cross that he breathed his last breath and when he was dying and he died, they hung him down and they took him and put him into a, a tomb and as they put him in the tomb, they figured game over, seal it up, it's done. And three days later he rose again defeating death and putting death back in the grave and paying the debt for sin that we all owe. He rose again to grant us eternal life, the gospel is what I'm talking about here. You're going to learn today that the gospel is not a catchphrase for the church. You're going to learn today that the gospel is not something that we merely throw around lightly because we think it sounds cool. You're going to learn that today that the gospel is not uh, something that we say to lure you into buying into church. It's not a scare tactic. It's not something we say, hey, if you believe the gospel, then you will be rich and growing. We don't say if you believe the gospel, then all your troubles will be healed. If you believe, then we don't use it like that. The gospel is the living word of of God who loves us, who sent his son to die for us. The living, breathing word of God. And it is alive and well in the hearts of all those who believe in him and also alive and well in the deepest, darkest pits of his prison. Check it out here, and starting in verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, open up to 1 Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 12, where we be at. If you don't have a Bible, there's, of course, Bibles in the bottom of your seats. There's going to be scriptures behind me, and there's going to be uh, scriptures on our Facebook page. If you're one of those tech-savvy people, and I know you are because I see your Facebook post, you can go on there, get on Facebook, get on, on the Facebook page, and then the scripture has already been posted for today. But this is what we're going to learn about today, the gospel to the midst of Paul's suffering. Paul says this in verse 12. And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance 
the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, Paul was arrested. He was sent to prison. And while he was there, we see that the gospel is starting to manifest itself within the prison walls. And that everyone there is starting to become affected and infected by the gospel. You see that Paul is is living out what he loves and what he knows. And as he's doing that, he's being thankful. As the gospel is being shared because he is thankful, he is joyful for his circumstances. As he's doing that, it's starting to spread around like a cancer. And it affects everyone around him, both the people who are locked up with him and both the imperial guard who is guarding over him. I can only imagine, this is probably one of the biggest backfires to Satan's plan. I can just imagine that Satan saying, you know what? I'm going to try to just derail this whole gospel movement, this whole movement of the church. Jesus Christ died. Yes, he defeated death, and that sucks. But you know what? I can still get this. I'm going to go after one of the leaders of the church. I'm going to go after one of the, the greatest Christians out there. I'm going to go after Paul. And I, once I get him, I'm going to lock him up. I'm going to silence him in the depths of the prison. And while he is there, he will not share the gospel. Well, too bad, so sad, it backfired. Because as Paul is in there, he is preaching the gospel. He is living the gospel. He is confessing the gospel. He is walking around with a smile on his face, singing praises to the Lord because he is suffering for Jesus. And that type of, that type of evangelism cannot even be produced on TV. That type of evangelism has to be seen and felt. That type of evangelism is real. It's raw. That is what gets people saved. And it's doing so powerful that the prison around him are starting to come to know Jesus. And this is a pretty bad place. Like, I love prison ministries, but I doubt they would even go to this place. Like, this is a pretty hardcore Fort Knox, you know, type, you know, lockdown place, you know, you know maybe Alcatraz type place, you know, places like that, Geronimo Bay, whatever you call it. But this is prison. Paul even brags about his situation in verse 14. He says, my imprisonment is for Christ. How many times do you hear people getting locked up and they're crying out as they're being pulled away? Do you ever hear them say, this is all for the love and, and just this is all for Jesus? You don't hear that. You hear them saying, take care of my family. Or you know what? Hey, hide my money. Hey, stash this. Hey, I'm coming to kill you. I'm coming to get revenge for you. No, Paul is saying, this is for Christ. This is all for Christ. That's not the only thing that happens though. The gospel manifests Verse 14 says this, it says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That that, that, that gets chills right there. The fact that not only is Paul's imprisonment allowing the gospel to flourish here, not only is it allowing the gospel to be thriving here, not only is it allowing it to be spreading like a cancer, but his imprisonment is causing the brothers, which are the Christians in the church, and the, those who are already in prison for preaching the gospel, they came in, they were scared, they're down. My life is sucking right now. Everything is just going bad. I tried doing good for Jesus. I tried doing everything right. And look what happened. I got thrown in jail. I'm in this place. But here comes Paul laughing and skipping and whistling and praising God and enjoying the fact that he is thankful for the fact that the church is still doing great things. And the brothers that are in there who are downhearted are seeing this great man of God just being excited about the gospel 
gospel, and they are becoming bolder and bolder and bolder about what God is doing, and it causes them to speak out even more bolder and bolder and bolder without fear about the gospel. This is what the church needs to be doing. Because a lot of us get in these ruts, and we get downhearted. But we need to just look to our neighbor to see that the gospel is still thriving. We need to look over and say, you know, I'm feeling bad. My life is not doing good. But praise God that the church is doing good. Praise God that this person over here, that things are going good for them, and that the gospel is being shared through their life. And that should excite you. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that whenever the gospel is thriving, we all should be thankful and excited. That we should not be focused on our own problems, but we should be focused on the gospel and let God be focused on our problems. You can't change your problems. God can change your problems. There's wisdom and there's things you can do, yes. But the gospel is more important than that. So we stay focused on that. Now why, why is it so important for us to be you know, doing that? You know, because the outside looking in, we can see that the life of Paul gives us the encouragement to keep going. Whenever we feel down, whenever we feel out, we, we know that we can look at Paul and say, hey, that gives us reasons to be bold as well. Christians, you should be bold in the gospel. You should be able to tell people that the gospel is the only way to know Jesus. You should be able to tell people that, that, that you know what, hey, I love you, brother. You might not be doing something right, but I still love you because the gospel loves you. The gospel loves me. I was a sinner just like you. And now I have hope, and you can have the same hope. You should have that boldness in you. Because that is the type of power that the gospel has. It explodes in the hearts of those it, it reaches. Is that powerful? Everyone started professing the gospel, and they had some great things going on. But there's, of course, there's, there's still sin in, in, in the area. And so the Bible says in verse 15 that everyone was preaching the gospel, but there were some with good intentions, and there were some with bad intentions. It says in verse 15 that some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to affect me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Paul is saying, yeah, sure, there are some guys here that are preaching the gospel, but they're doing it out of selfish ways. What's probably happening is they were imprisoned, and they were like, I'm so on fire for Jesus, and I'm not, and then it comes Paul, and they get jealous of Paul, so they try preaching the gospel out of selfish desires and selfishness, and they, they're doing it because they want to be lifted up higher for preaching a good word to the people, and the area how many of y'all know preachers like this they might be preaching the gospel to create a set of followers to do whatever it is they want think david koresh drink the kool-aid type stuff like that they they they, they like they are, are use this powerful leverage of the gospel to get whatever i want and build up some type of following maybe they're preaching the gospel for monetary gains think televangelists hey, you know, you're preaching the gospel. I know you want to get, you know, the, the gospel is to give to the church, but you can just give to me because we're in prison. I'll be the church. I'm the leader of your group. And Paul is saying that whatever reason they're preaching it, he does not agree with it. But he praises God that it's at least being preached. And he leaves the outcome not to the man on TV, but to the man upstairs. And he says, I trust God in all this. 
I know it's going to be okay. These guys who were preaching the gospel might not be doing it for the right reasons, but they were at least preaching the gospel. And honestly, that's more than most of us can say here in this room. At least these guys were preaching the gospel. He says that he is able to rejoice still in all of this. That even though it's not perfect, he's able to rejoice in it. He finds the positive in everything. He's not like me. I'm Mr. Negative. You can ask Sarah. I'm like, glass is half empty, and it's going down. She goes, babe, glass is half full, and it's going up. You know, I'm the type of guy like, you know what? It's not going to happen. I just know it's not going to happen. She's like, baby, just wait a little while. Maybe it will happen. You know, give it a little bit of faith. I had faith that that, that quarterback you know, showers last night for the Cowboys was going to actually become a good quarterback. And I realized that we should start calling him Sprinkles and not Showers because he was not producing the type of hailstorm that needed to be done on the second half. I try to be positive and it just doesn't work. Now I want us to learn here today that with Paul, our confidence and joy in the gospel must never be marginalized by our trials. That our confidence in the gospel must not be marginalized. It means it must not be determined by what you're going through at the moment. It must not be determined. God is not good based upon your circumstances. God is good because of himself being good. He is good not because you're you're good or because you're having a bad day and then God is bad. No, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Baptists, we know that very well. So it doesn't matter whether it's hostility to Christians. Whether it's just a bad situation you find yourself backed up in. Whether it's pain, suffering, a lack of, of, of provision, whatever it is, when rightly viewed through the gospel, can embolden us to speak good news without fear, as did Paul and all of his colleagues, because our focus is not on our circumstances. Our focus is on the everlasting word of truth in the gospel. And just as Paul finds that he can rejoice in persecution, even those who preach out of it in rivalry, we too can be freed from fearing that the suffering that comes from the world around us, that we can still find peace in that as well. Let me, just let me say this. Isn't that the kind of suffering that ushers us into a profound communion with our Lord and Savior anyway? Our suffering Savior? Let me just kind of back up on that. Paul is suffering for the gospel. And he's going through all of these trials and tribulations. Isn't that the type of relationship that ushers us into a closer communion with our Savior, Jesus Christ? Because I get this a lot. And I want to end with this story. Because I've seen it and I hear it time and time again. There was a guy that was coming to our church for a while. And I won't say names because I don't do that. But he had been here a while. And, um, and just, I love this guy. This guy loved Jesus. He was on fire for Jesus. I mean, I swear, he, he contacted me after I'd known him for years. And he, I don't know where he called me. I want to come to church. I want to start doing good. I'm like, great, what's going on? He said, I'm kind of going through a rough patch in my life. I kind of want to get in church and get involved. I'm like, great, come on. And he took the reins and he ran with it. He did great. I mean, this guy trusted in Jesus, Okay. He had been in a bad spot. He was jobless. Okay, he had a bad separation from his common-law wife. But still, he was at the church every Sunday. Not just at the church. Back then, we were meeting inside of a hotel room. And he lit, not hotel room. That always sounds bad when I say that. We were meeting inside of a hotel conference room. Okay, and 
kind of creepy guy are you, you know? And so we, everyone on the bed. And so we were meeting in a hotel conference room. God's going to have to edit that out of, this, out of the message this week. And he was there early. He would help us unpack the, the truck. We literally had to carry everything in the back of my truck and set the back of Sarah's car as well. And he would help us set everything up, okay? He would help us uh, do things. He would go serve every time we had an outreach. When we give more, you know, did more in a backpack, he would help us do more in a backpack. I even baptized this guy, you know? And it was just a, a great, great guy that he was doing this. And one day he goes, hey, Pastor, can, can we meet for, uh, can we just grab some coffee maybe one day? I was like, sure, I love coffee. I, mean, I need an excuse to grab coffee, you know? And we're sitting there, and, and as he's talking to me, he says, man, Felix, I just, I just wanted to tell you that uh, I'm leaving the church. I was like, wow. And he kind of caught me off guard, you know? I mean, I understand people get called away. I thought, well, maybe he's moving. You know, maybe he's got you know, something going on. He goes, I'm leaving the church. I was like, really? Like, wow, because you serve, you're committed. I mean, you're always giving tithe. You're always um, there on Sunday mornings. You're always serving with us. Why are you leaving the church? And I asked him why. And he said, Felix, because all you do is talk about the suffering of Jesus. And I don't like that you never talk about the great victories that we have in him. And all the riches and all the gains that we have from him and being connected to the Father and all the entitlements that should be given to us as heirs of the kingdom. All right. And then he said, I want to go somewhere where I can go and sit down, get filled with the word of God, and that it says to me that whatever that I am rightly, that whatever I'm about to get is just rightly given to me. And that I'm going to be victorious one day. And I started thinking, and it dawned on me, that all the time he had served, all the money he had given to the church, all the times he came to Missional City Group with us, being there every Sunday morning, excuse the term, religiously, wasn't because Jesus suffered on the cross to give this guy eternal life and he owed his life to Jesus. It was because he wanted the riches of God more than the blood of Christ. He wanted the riches of God more than the blood of Christ. Church, you can follow Jesus in the midst of suffering. You can follow Jesus in the midst of anything else. That's why we preach on suffering. That's why we preach on Paul's suffering. I can sit up here and talk to you all about the great things that Jesus is going to bring us, and he is going to lavish you with great things. I promise you that. He will. He's going to lavish you with great things that are just you know, immeasurable, that don't hold value because they're priceless. He's going to lavish you with things like true love, everlasting joy, endless grace, and everlasting hope. But we must live like Paul with our focus not being on those things and the things that we will gain, but on the things that we can give. Because when we do that, we no longer seek out the riches of Jesus. We seek out the blood of him, the thing that we need most. We learn to embrace those things. We learn to embrace the, the hard times. And we learn to rejoice in the hard times because we, as we can see in Paul's letter that it is in those hard times that the church explodes and the gospel is spread. Everyone's like freaking out because the election's coming up. Everyone's freaking out because America is like, 
you know, whatever. And I'm like, we have never been more like the ancient time and the ancient world than we have today. And when last I checked, when the world was this messed up around us, the church exploded. Now let me ask you, are you willing to be that church? Because we can sit here and we can fade away. And we can just come here and we can go home and not do anything. Or we can embrace the suffering and, and, just, and, and just be like Paul and give praise and thankfulness for all that he is doing around us. We can be the church and we can step up and say we will not stand by for injustice. We will be the church that it takes over every problem in the city and see it as our problem. In the terms of all the brave men and women in the military, we need to embrace the suck. How many military guys we got here? Y'all heard that before? Embrace the suck. It basically means when you, when you're, when you wake up and you got to go do PTO and it, it's like, you know, 110 degrees outside and you don't want to run, embrace the suck. The fact that you're part of the world's greatest military and you're still doing great things, embrace the suck. Church, we need to embrace the suck. Embrace the fact that we, we have so much harvest around us. And even though the world's crazy, and even though your life might not seem perfect right now, every one of you here has a purpose like Paul. And if you share the gospel through that suffering, through that time, we will see the gospel grow. We will become bolder in Christ. We will learn to rejoice in all things. And we will become closer to God in a relationship that is not based upon what we will get, but that is based upon what he has already done. Are you willing to do that with me today, church? Let's pray. Father God, I just give you praise and thanks. For us not being perfect. For Lord, if we were perfect and if everything was good, we will not need you. But praise you, Lord, that you allow us to go through times of suffering, times of darkness, times of, of, of just um, turmoil, times of, of where we don't know what's going to happen. But you give us the gospel. You now the gospel is our weapon. May we use the gospel to share, to spread the name of Jesus Christ in this city through our suffering. As a church, we may be suffering together, we may be suffering individually. And we praise God through that. You are struggling with sin right now. Praise God for the fact that he has forgiven you for that already. You are struggling financially. Praise God that he has given you more dependence on him. You're struggling with addiction. May praise God that he has given you a need for him. You have a Jesus-shaped hole in your heart that only he can fill. You can't chase a job. You can't chase 
you know, addiction. You can't chase drugs or alcohol. You can't chase those things. You can't chase pride, success, a career. You can't chase those things. The only thing that we have, the only option that we have to fill that Jesus-shaped heart is to bow on our knees, profess the name of Jesus, repent and say, I need you in my life because I am not able to do this. I need the gospel to spread like a cancer through my veins, through my bones, and through my life around me so that those around me can see the goodness of God working in my suffering, the goodness of God working in my imperfections, the fact that you take men who are murderers and rapists and men who are liars and thieves and you turn them into the pillars of the church. May you do that with the hearts of everyone here today. May you turn us into a church that is able to share the gospel, to take the injustices of the city around us and say, these are our problems. We will solve them with the gospel. May we be a church that is bold enough to do that. May we become men who stand up and fight no matter what comes our way. May we become families that embrace other families. May we become families who embrace those who need love. May we become families who minister to those around us. May we become uh, individuals and, and who, just, who live a life worthy of the upward call of Christ Jesus we just be a church that acts like the church we be a church that makes a difference we be a church that makes an impact Father God I pray for all those here today Lord I pray that you would just speak into their hearts or maybe maybe there was something that was said today and you like, no, my, my, my life is like that I need Jesus right now I need you. I need, I, I need this Savior. I cannot do this alone. I cannot. Do, I need the, 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 the arms of Christ, the church to surround me. I need Jesus right now. Not because of the riches of God, because I need the blood of his cleansing blood of Jesus Christ right now. If that is you, would you just, would you just make that confession today? Wherever you're, you're at, head bowed, eyes closed, you and God, you and Christ right now. He is knocking on your heart. And you know that. Quit being stubborn and just surrender to him. It's ridiculous that you have ran this far from him. He is your father. He loves you. He has nothing but good for you. Why do you run? Lord, may you just speak to all of us today. May you just give us a life of purpose moving our hearts to do bigger and greater things that are above and outside of ourselves. And may we find joy and thankfulness in that today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Your Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Let's all stand up and worship one more time.